Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Roofmax and the Angie app. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you get the projects done around your house, your home, your apartment, your condo, your yurt, whatever you live in. We are here to help you make it better, make it more beautiful, get the jobs done quicker, faster, help you if you're a do-it-yourselfer from becoming a do-it-to-yourselfer, help Mm. you find a pro if you want to go that route. That's what we do. In fact, we've been doing this a long time, as evidenced by today's episode number, Leslie, 2,200. Can you believe we've done 2,200 shows? I cannot. Wow. Oh, man. 2,200. Yeah, crazy. But you know what? It's great to have a job that you love what you do, and that's how we feel about this. We love home improvement. We love helping you get the projects done every day. We love seeing the questions and the comments that come in. So if you are enjoying this show, and we hope you are, We'd appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple or Google or however you listen. And if not, you can keep it all to yourself. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're accepting. I love them. They're so helpful. We like those. Five stars. (laughs) Well, coming up on today's show, can you just not wait for those spring flowers to bloom? I mean, I am pretty psyched about this. And we're going to help with tips about how to get a color-filled garden going immediately, no matter where you live. I mean, it's weird. I still want to be skiing, but I totally appreciate all the flowers. So I will accept spring very happily. Also ahead, if you find that your cakes are salty and your meatloaf is sweet, what you might be lacking is not cooking skills, but the right lighting in your kitchen. We're going to share some tips to brighten that space so, you know, you'll pick the right ingredients for the right recipes and help you become an even better cook. (laughs) And also ahead, we're going to highlight some of our favorite earth-friendly home improvement ideas to help you save energy, water, and money. All right. And the clock is ticking down to Memorial Day. I'm ready to kick off the summer. I can't wait for the hot weather. I like it either to be really cold or super warm. I'm okay with this in between, but those are the two I love. So let's get to Memorial Day where we can officially kick off summer. What are you working on? How can we help get your money pit in tip-top shape so you can have those awesome barbecues again? You can get in touch with us at moneypit.com slash ask. Download the Money Pit app at moneypit.com slash ask. If you've got a question, post it to the app. You will be among the first to get a response from us. But for now, let's get to it, Leslie. Who is first? 
Marge in New Jersey is on the line with a kitchen question. How can we help you today? I have a uh, carousel in the kitchen for the kitchen cabinets. And uh, the shelf, the top one, is uh, dropped a lot. And I can't figure out how to go about to uh, secure it or... How in the world do you t- repair something like that? So is this sort of like uh, what we would call a lazy Susan, like sits inside of a cabinet and spins around? Yes, and holds the pots and pans. They take a lot of wear and tear, don't they, Marge? I mean, uh, over all those years? Sure. Does it have to be replaced or can it be repaired? Well, it depends. I mean, the first thing you do is clean that cabinet out and take the existing carousel apart. Now, if the mechanism itself... Uh, like the ball bearings have fallen apart, there's a bracket between the carousel and the bottom of the cabinet that has like two plates on them and they spin on ball bearings. If that uh, access has broken down, which it could over many years, you know, that uh, has to be replaced. And the thing is that those parts are all available, especially for those old cabinets. You can usually find them online if you if you research them. And essentially what has to happen here is you got to take that whole thing apart and then rebuild it. Now, this might be a job for a carpenter or a cabinet maker or somebody that's just handy enough to, to be able to tackle this. But I find that when I look at something like this, that, that cabinetry will speak to me. It will tell me how it went in and what has to be done to take it apart. If you look at it very carefully, you can usually figure it out because somebody put it in to begin with and there's got to be a way to disassemble it. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, that does. Now, since there are two uh, uh, levels, one on the bottom and one on the top, the ball bearings would be in the bottom level so that if I start unscrewing everything... Uh, where would I f- find them? Does it make a difference if it's a two-shelfer? There's one shelf way on the bottom, then there's the space, and then mm-hmm. you have another shelf. Right. I don't think it makes a difference because I think it's all part of the same assembly. And and the ball bearings are going to be on the bottom, not the top. The top, it may have like an access point, like an axle, but the spin is going to be under where all the weight is. Okay, so that's... That's the side of it. Does this carousel uh, still move, or is it too stiff? No, it still moves. It still moves. What part of it is broken, Marge? Uh, the, the actual shelf itself, the top shelf, appears to have dropped about uh, eight inches. All right. So here's what I would do. If it was just the top shelf that, that dropped, I would look for a way to repair that top shelf. And I can't tell you exactly how to do it, but I'd probably figure out a creative way. If that's dropped down, if it's sitting like on a center column, then they have to get something up underneath that to support it. Okay. All right. So that's what I'll do. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Now we've got Lee who reached out to us through moneypit.com slash ask or through the app. So this is awesome. And it's a Vox Pop recording. So let's listen to Lee. I have cement board siding on the exterior of my home. I have a German Shepherd puppy that gnawed the corners off of four pieces of the siding in the middle of a wall. The corner, what I mean by corners, it's about a triangular uh, corner about an inch deep on each board. Obviously, I can't remove the board off the home, so how do I repair that to get it looking somewhat normal? So, Lee, I think repairing the damage really is going to depend on how much of it is actually physically gone. If it's a small area, which I think is what you're describing, there's a product called Wood Epox. That's Wood, E-P-O-X. It's a two-part product, and 
basically you take a scoop out of each one. It comes in like two pint-sized containers. You take a little scoop out of each side, and you kind of mush it together. It's like a putty. And you keep smashing it. You keep mixing it, and that actually activates it. And then you use this putty to reform those corners. Now, depending, usually it's difficult where you have surfaces that are that are adjacent like that where you're going to have some differential movement but might be worth it worth a shot uh but you can reform those corners now the thing that's cool about wood epox is once it dries you can sand it you can chisel it you can saw it it basically works just like wood and then of course you're going to have to paint it now the other part of this though is that you say that you obviously can't remove the siding well you actually can remove the siding it's not an easy project but it can be done it's done all the time and typically the way that happens is the first piece uh, comes off, and that usually comes off and it's, it is damaged and it can't be re- replaced. I mean, it depends if it's clapboard, for example. I'll give you a trick of the trade for clapboard siding. If you have nails that go through the clapboard, what I do in a case like that is I take a very long, thin nail set, and I drive the nail all the way through the first board and the second board underneath that. And then what that does, it tends to release that board that's, like, tucked up under there, and you could take it out. And then what you could do is you could cut in a new piece. And what I would do is I would stagger the joints. So if the first piece, maybe you're going to only put like a two-foot piece on the end of the building. The second layer down, you might put that joint at four feet uh, from the end of the building and so on so that they're not like on top of each other. So you may need some professional help with that if, if this isn't making sense to you. But I can tell you that it does happen all the time and it can be repaired that way. But if you want to give the wood epochs a shot first, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You're not going to make it any worse, and maybe it'll work for you. All right. Now, maybe this is going to last long enough so that puppy gets out of that chewing phase, and then it stays looking good because it's going to last. It could be worse. I mean, you could be chewing your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it could be your shoes. You're right. <laughs> Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. 
And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Lauren, Mississippi is dealing with a very humid home and it has a lot of moisture in the walls. What's going on? Tell us about it. I was calling uh, to find out what do you have to do to keep, like, uh, moisture build up on the walls and the inside of the house that could turn maybe to um, old mildew? What do you have to do to keep that away? So I think it's a combination of things, Laura. I mean, first of all, uh, if you have air conditioning, you want to make sure you're running it consistently because air conditioning happens to be a pretty good dehumidifier. Um, secondly, if you have ventilation fans, these would be in your bathrooms and also in your kitchen, Make sure, absolutely sure they're venting outside and not recirculating moisture back into the house in the case of a recirculating, say, fan, uh, exhaust fan above your stove or in the bathrooms, just dumping it like into the attic. Make sure it's moving that moisture outside. Now, if it's still excessively humid, there's a couple of things you can do outside your house. The more water that collects at the foundation of your house, the more moisture is going to end up on the inside of your house because it evaporates into that space. So make sure you're checking your gutters and your downspouts and getting that water away, making sure the soil slopes away. And then finally, if you're still having a lot of humidity issues, you can install a piece of equipment that is called a whole home dehumidifier. Now, it's not like the dehumidifiers that usually are, you know, maybe two foot by three foot. They sit in the corner and they have like a bucket. You have to like empty every now and again. It's not like that. A whole home dehumidifier fits into your HVAC system. It's installed professionally, but these things can take out like 90 to 100 pints of water a day. So hopefully some of those suggestions will help you dry up this house. Lester in Tennessee is on the line with a squeaky, noisy floor situation. Tell us what's going on. Well, I got some uh, a split-level house, and uh, the master bedroom and the garage are on the ground floor, and right above the uh, on the second floor, the floorboards squeak when you walk. It's carpeted flooring, and as you walk across the floor, you can tell exactly where that person is heading and what they're doing based on the uh, squeak in the uh, in the floor and. Uh, because it's over the uh, uh, master bedroom, my wife has a hard time sleeping when I'm upstairs walking around and vice versa. So we need a resolution. So now the reason why you're getting a squeaky noise is because there's some movement between the subfloor and the joist. So when somebody steps now, you've got nails that have backed up and you've got the, you know, the subfloor and the joist sort of rubbing together, which is giving you that squeaky sound. Now with the carpet, 
totally not the end of the world. You do need to be able to identify, though, where those squeaks are coming from, and you'll sort of have to do this in tandem. One person in the master bedroom, one person upstairs sort of stepping so you can kind of isolate where the sound is. And once you know where that sound is coming from, now you have to locate exactly where that joist is under the carpet and under the subfloor because what you need to do is reattach that subfloor to that joist. And you can do that once you know exactly where everything is with a nail you know, that's totally fine. And you'll have to use a nail, unfortunately, because of the carpet situation. And you'll hammer it actually through the carpet, reattaching the joist and the sheathing. And then once you've got that all put together, you sort of grab the rug by the nap and lift up and you'll sort of pop that nail through the carpet and just it'll still do its job of connecting the, the joist to the underlayment. Does that make sense? And the type of nail that you use is important. You want to use a galvanized finish nail. Galvanized because it's rough on the outside and has more holding power and finish nail because it has the smallest kind of head. And this way, the nail can be driven through the carpet or the carpet can be pulled up through the nail head and you won't see it when it's done. And one more tip, when you're looking for that floor joist, you could use one of the newer, like the Stanley stud sensors that are available today, super accurate, and they can they can go pretty deep into a floor. So they'll go through the carpet, through the subfloor to locate exactly where those joists are because it's really critical that when you place that nail, you know that you're going to hit the floor joist underneath. Okay, great. And uh, those, those are new on the market because I have some older ones. You think I need to buy something or rent something? The stud sensors? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're new and they're pretty expensive. They start at about twenty bucks, but you can certainly try the one you have. And if and if you if it doesn't work, and you can go out and pick up a new one. Well, twenty bucks is probably worth uh, the sleep that my wife's not getting. <laughs> exactly, Lester. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, it's spring, time to plant the seeds that will become the beautiful blooms of summer. But if you're eager to get things going instantly, there is a solution. Yeah, you know, nothing says spring like those colorful flowering plants in your yard. But if you can't wait for seeds to sprout, you can plant live blooms for an instant pop of color. But the key here, guys, is selecting the right type of flower for your region. And this is actually a pretty specific science. Now, the country is divided into 11 different plant hardiness zones. And to find out what your zone is and then choose plants that are compatible with it. Now you can find your zone on the U.S. Department of Agriculture Hardiness Zone Map. Now preparing the soil for your flowers is also super important. You got to have healthy soil and you got to have the right pH levels for the types of flowers that you're planting. So step one is to test your soil. You can do this with a kit and then you add organic matter as needed. You can add peat moss, sawdust, sand, manure, ground bark, or homemade compost to make sure that soil is just right. Now, you also want to make sure that you water as directed. You've got to keep that soil moist and your flowers will stay healthy. Now, we're going to talk about plaster wall finishes with Diane. What's going on? Hi, I want to do a Venetian plaster effect in my movie room. Okay. And I bought the product from Lowe's uh, with Valspar, so I'm not sure if it's a true Venetian plaster, but it's supposed to be probably an easier way to do it. And I wasn't sure if I should do it on a focal wall only or do the whole room or if that would be too much. Leslie, what is Venetian plaster in its its original form? So I I believe that it's plaster with the color tinted into it. And when you put it on, it's sort of burnished in a way. So you get areas Ah, with like a shine and then you get areas that are, Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't want to say porous, but they kind of, they kind of look like you've skipped a spot, you know, but I guess porous is the right answer. So you've got areas that look almost like, um, like coral where it's like kind of rough and pocky. And then you've got some that are super polished. So it, it's a technique in the product and how you put it up. So does it provide a texture or is it pretty much flat? It's kind of a combination of both because in the areas where you've got the smooth, shiny, burnished parts, that's super flat. And then right next to it where you have these sort of like openish spots, while it's flat, it still has like almost divots in it. So it, it's kind of a mix of two textures in the process of install. And you know why I'm asking that? Because we, I can't tell you, Diane, how many calls we get in the show about textured surfaces that people are tired of and they want to get rid of. And it's hard, you know? I mean... It's beautiful, and it's a finish that if you like and you're going to be in that house and it's a process that you're willing to either learn how to do or pay the expense of having it installed for you and you're going to enjoy it, I say go for it. I mean, I've seen it more popular several years ago. I don't really know of its popularity currently, but it is a very specific look, and the color can be sort of rich and muted at the same time, if that makes sense, because of the burnishing. Um, it really is a lovely finish. I'm thinking I just want to do maybe two focal walls instead of the whole room, but that's what I wanted your advice if you had anything to add to that. it's I mean, is this something you're doing yourself? Yes. Yeah. So you're going to find that it's definitely a trial and error. Maybe do some work on a sample piece of drywall that you've sort of prepped first to sort of get that technique down so that you feel comfortable before you apply it to your walls. Um, and then I would definitely keep it as a focal wall or an area above wainscoting or something like that, depending on the room. Um, but definitely try a sample part first and make sure you're comfortable with the process and you're happy with the results. Okay. Thank you so much. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Getting you unstuck? Well, that is exactly what we do. Yeah, and no matter what that project is that you're stuck on, we can help. We're like a virtual WD-40. doesn't matter <laughs> what the question is. We're pretty good for 1,001 uses. <laughs> you know what that stands for, WD-40? It stands for Water Displacement Formula 40. It was a bunch of uh, applications that were tried by the Rocket Chemical Company because they're trying to figure out how to keep moisture out of electrical circuits. And they got up to 40. And I don't know how it worked with keeping the moisture out, but I, the story goes that the engineer took it home and tried it on a few, I guess, squeaky doors or whatever, and turns out it was a great lubricant. And I guess, as you say, the rest is history. So WD-40, water displacement formula 40. Well, how about that? You learn something new every day. Daddy in Oregon, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We have a patio that had some cracks in it. It is exposed aggregate. My husband dug it out and filled in the cracks. Now, our question for you is, is there a sealer with some colorant that we could use over the whole area. I, I think what you're asking us for is a concrete stain. Sealers are always clear. So if you've got this crack filled in and you've got some color to that, then what you're going to have to do is stain the concrete to match that, and then you could seal it, but you'd have to stain it. And if you're going to stain concrete, you would use an acid stain. Okay. Is there anything you can recommend? Quickrete makes a great one in 
couple of good colors, more neutral than anything a little crazy, but it's an easy to apply product. You're going to get some great coloration there. And you know, it's a reputable brand. They know what they're doing. So I would start there. Well, that sounds great. And I, I really love your show. Thank you very much, Dottie. Good luck with that project. Now we've got Dean in Pennsylvania on the line who's got an insulation question. What can we do for you today? I have a, an older home. It has a brick exterior and then the stud walls on the inside. And between there is the airspace. And that airspace dumps down in the basement. And in the wintertime, I'm feeling the cold air sinking. And, and I want to try and get my kids to, to use the basement a little bit more, but it's a little on the chilly side. Uh, and I don't know if I'm if that's like a vent of some sort. If I'm allowed to insulate that, or will I cause problems if I if I close it off or what? You can actually see where this gap opens up to the basement. Yep. Mm-hmm. I there's no reason that you can't insulate that. That would be along what we call the box beam or the box insulation, and that's actually a standard place to add insulation. The other thing that you could consider doing is you could use an expandable foam in that area to kind of seal the gap if it's not too wide or simply add some fiberglass bat insulation there. I think that's the easiest thing to do. That will stop some of that draft from getting through to the basement and make uh, being down there a lot more comfortable. Yeah, right. I didn't know if, if that was, you know, how you have um, uh, insulated windows now, two pans of, panes of glass with the airspace in between. I didn't know if it was something like that. No, there's not quite that much thought put into it. It's just kind of the way those old homes were built. Uh, so you can certainly insulate that space. Awesome. I'll do. All right. Well, we're glad we could help. 888-666-3974. Well, it's kind of a missing element in most kitchens, and it's not a $7,500 range or that, you know, four-acre refrigerator. Nope. It's simply good lighting, and a well-lit kitchen begins with under-cabinet task lighting. So we've got some tips to help you with that. No, that's right. Now, these hidden fixtures are actually fairly easy to add underneath the upper wall cabinets. And what they do is they'll sort of bathe the countertop in really bright white light, which is great for everything from Dyson veggies to reading recipes. Now, you can connect the fixtures to dimmers as well, and then you have sort of the key to like a dramatic accent lighting effect or a nightlight for midnight snackers. I love that, you know, when you have folks over, everybody hangs out in the kitchen, so you can have a little ambiance when that's happening. Yeah, it really is the heart of the home and the best place to hang out. Now, installing these lights really is easier than ever thanks to advances in LEDs. You can find under-cabinet lighting that works off of a battery as well as LED fixtures that can be hardwired or plugged into a spare outlet. Now, a lot of these fixtures are also designed to be interconnected. Now, that means they're going to come with like a short wire that can be used to connect several lights together. And that makes it easier than ever to see exactly what you're doing and sort of run those lights through your entire kitchen cabinet structure. Like you could, say, run them up to the stove and then use the uh, interconnection wire to actually run that wire up, say, above the range and back down again, and then pick it up on the other side. And this way, when you turn the switch on, they all come on at the same time. So lots of technology now has changed to make these easier than ever. I mean, you used to have to hardwire everything and use fluorescent bulbs. You had to change all the time. Now that's just not the case because the LED technology is just so easy and so bright. It makes it super easy to get this job done. All right, Colleen in Texas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Yes, I was wondering about a product called Restore. It's called Liquid Armor Resurfacer, and I have a dock that I wanted to put it on. All right, I'm familiar with those Restore products. I've not used them, but I know what they're supposed to do. One thing I would tell you is I don't know about the brand you mentioned. I would make sure it's a brand that's been around for a long time. 
because we've seen some of those thick paint products do more damage than good. I know, for example, that Rustoleum, which is a good brand, makes a product called Restore. It works on concrete and decks, as well as vertical siding. So I might start by taking a look at the Rustoleum product. Just make sure you stick with a name brand that's been around a long time so that you know that you've got a really good product that you're putting on the deck. And I would also make sure that you tested it in an area, maybe on a couple of deck boards to make sure you're completely happy with it before going all in on the entire deck or dock. And is it harder to use this type of product versus just a regular paint? Yeah, it's going to be more difficult because it's about 10 times thicker than paint. So the application is, you know, got to be done right. Uh, you're going to use similar tools, but it's just going to, it's going to be slow. Okay, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Ralph in Missouri who's working on a ceiling project. Tell us what's going on. There's two rooms upstairs. And the one one side I've uh, changed into a bedroom and put a bathroom up there. The other one, I'd like to take the existing ceiling out and put a cathedral ceiling in. I just want to open the room up. The ceilings are kind of low now. Somebody put suspended ceilings in there, which... Um, Made it even lower. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know it's got the old tongue and, or, uh, lab and plaster walls and ceilings and all that. So I guess they didn't want to go to the mess. So what do you do? You just stick up a suspended ceiling. But anyway, I'd like to take um, the existing um, ceiling joists out and uh, maybe not use the, you know, the rafters for the, uh, for the cathedral ceiling, but add, add some new rafters to kind of follow the outline of the roof line. But I just want to make sure that if I pull these joists or ceiling joists out of here, that um, the house isn't going to fall down. You know what I mean? The walls aren't going to bow out and fall out on me. Well, the house may not fall down, but the roof might collapse. That's not any better. You see, look, if you've got a very high-pitched roof like that, and that roof is uh, resting on the top plate of the exterior wall, and you take the ceiling joists away, those serve the purpose of tying those exterior walls into the rest of the house. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but you just can't do it without re- somehow replacing that uh, structural element. I would recommend that you not do this yourself, that you get help from an architect to design this because it's a little more complicated than what you might think. It's easy to cut stuff away. It's not so easy to put it back together in the right way. And when it comes to this kind of modification, it's got to be done just right. There's other issues, too. Now, you're going you're gonna to have to make sure that this cathedral ceiling is properly ventilated and properly insulated, and that's going to take some work. Otherwise, you're going to add a, uh, an energy-leaking hassle to, uh, to your home that, that won't bode well. And you might want to think about adding some additional lighting, like, uh, like a skylight or something of that nature. So it's a project that can be done, but it's a little more complicated than meets the eye. I would get some professional design help on this. Uh, not and not just uh, get out the old sawzall and cut start cutting things out of the way. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, good advice. Well, would you guys like to save water and energy and money at the same time? Well, you can if you take on a few earth-friendly home improvements. So here are a few of our favorites, and they're really easy to do. Now, let's start with some easy water-saving ideas for your lawn and garden. Now, the amount of water a garden needs really depends on the selection of plants as well as how you are actually watering them. For example, for gardens, you need to water deeply, so you want to make sure that you soak the root zone rather than the whole yard. Now, landscaping is 
your plant selection really does make a big difference. If you choose native plants, you're actually going to need little or no water beyond what nature is providing in your area. Mulch is also a great idea to help lock in that soil moisture, and that's going to reduce the frequency of watering. And drip irrigation, this is another great way to save water. If you use drip irrigation or even a soaker hose, you can reduce evaporation by directing water to those plant roots. That is so true. In fact, one time uh, summer when one of my kids came home from college, uh, he was so into helping us trim uh, the bushes, he went at it, but unfortunately he did a little bit too much, kind of like cut them way down for the middle of summer. So we used drip irrigation to basically restore the entire line of bushes uh, because it was such an efficient way without any waste. We had that water delivered right to the root system. So it's a really good idea for lots of different uses. Now, to save some energy, there are a few other things that you might think about doing. First, shade your air conditioning compressor. You know, the hotter it gets, where your AC compressor is located, the harder it has to work and the more it costs. So you can add some bushes or other screening. Just keep it at least 12 inches away from the compressor because if it gets too close, it's going to kind of clog things up. Next, think about some shade trees. You know, the Department of Energy says that you can save 15% to 50% on cooling costs or anywhere from $35 to $119. Bucks. Plus, you get a beautiful new tree in the process. And finally, let's talk about storm windows. Not something we usually talk about this time of year, but if you have these and you have air conditioning, you need to keep them down to prevent drafts. Because if you think about it, drafts leak in in the summer just as much as they do in the winter. You just don't feel it, but it's robbing your house of expensive air conditioning dollars. So keep those storm windows down if you've got central AC all summer long. Mary writes in, and she's got an interesting situation going on in the yard. She says, I found some squirrels gnawing the corners of my wood deck. Is this because the arsenic is gone from the wood? What can I do to stop this? I don't think I've ever seen a squirrel eat like a piece of furniture or decking or anything. I mean, I bet they do, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I have actually, because I made this beautiful, it was called the Lincoln Law Bench. It was like a six foot long bench with like a scooped out seat. I made it many, many years ago when I was in college and it sat on my mom's porch for years. Uh, and we noticed that the squirrels were eating the spindles, the expensive maple spindles that I turned on the lathe when I was just a youngster. So I rescued that and rebuilt all that damage, but that was the first time I'd seen them gnawing away at wood. So there's a couple of things that you can do, Mary. So first of all, I mean, I think the best thing is just trap and release. You can usually have a heart trap and trap squirrels. Take them miles from your home, usually to the woods or a place like that, and then release them. They'll be happy, and you'll be happy. So do that on an ongoing basis. And uh, between now and then, you can always spray that deck with apple cider vinegar. Squirrels will be totally turned off by the scent of apple cider vinegar. It's inexpensive, it's simple, and it will keep those squirrels off of your deck. All right, now we've got a post here from Bob who writes, we have a cat door window insert and I want to build a medium-sized, I love this, catio. (laughs) A catio. We're going to put a cinder block foundation under it, but we also want to attach it to the vinyl side at home. Can I just nail or screw through the vinyl? I love this, a catio. All right, go for it. A catio. (laughs) Not the catio, but attaching to the side. It's a bad idea to attach anything to vinyl siding like that or the cat. (laughs) But no, seriously. So um, first of all, why are you going to build this, Bob? I mean, these are not expensive. You can look online at like Wayfair, Amazon, lots of different stores. 
have these that are made as kits, and they're so well-designed. They have all kinds of stuff inside of them for the cats to do and keep busy. So this is kind of one of those situations where I would rather buy than build. Now, in terms of attaching it, don't think that that's a really good idea because you shouldn't be attaching like to the vinyl siding without treating it as like an intersecting wall, which means the vinyl comes off, has to be flashed, or has to be J-channel. I mean, it's a lot of work to do it right, so I would not do that. I would simply leave some space between the house and the catio, buy one that's a kit, like I said, or if you insist on building it, build it yourself. I would leave a little bit of space, maybe 6 to 12 inches, between that uh, that cat door and the catio, and just put a little ramp there. So they don't have to jump right into the catio. They can walk across the ramp and then go inside and back and forth and so on. And this way, the only thing you're attached is just maybe this little ramp to the windowsill. You're not actually attaching the entire catio to the house because it's really not necessary. Unless that catio is decked out with everything they need, like a refrigerator and all the tasty <laughs> treats, then definitely you want them to go right to it. But otherwise, they can go down a ramp and then get to their relaxation spot. I love it. I can't wait. Can you please send me a picture of how you deck out this catio? This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Wrapping up episode 2200. We want to take this moment to thank you for being loyal listeners for all these years. It's so much fun to turn the mic on every week and just talk home improvement with everybody that calls. We hope that you've gotten a lot out of it. We know we have. And thanks so much for being a part of our Money Pit family. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.